Hello and welcome to Now Fear This with Becky and Marie, the podcast where we talk about all the things that scare the shit out of us and a few things that don't. I'm Becky and I'm looking across the Zoom at Marie. All right. What are you fearing today? <laughs> all right. I'm going to give you three things that I'm fearing and you get to pick which fear you'd like to hear. Okay. So because I'm going to go on vacation soon, I'm fearing entitled travelers. Ooh, the I'm- ugly American. Ugly American travelers. I'm fearing technology and people doing things for me, uh, turning me into an infant state. And (laughs) I am fearing non-Western medicine and being able to tell whether I'm getting treated or molested. So those are the things that I'm fearing. (laughs) Spin the wheel. (laughs) I'm going to go to you becoming an infant again. Yes. So we've bought this app to put all our passwords in so we don't have to remember any of them if you never hear from me again it's because i lost my phone basically and then to add to all this crap so like right now james uses the remote all the time so i'm worried he'll go on a trip and i'll just have to read a book or something because i won't be able to turn on any of the tv (laughs) and this new apple tv remote is is, it has no buttons you just slide yeah it's the worst isn't it annoying it's really annoying it's bad like Mm -hmm. I get so frustrated I'm like I guess fuck it I guess I'll just watch an hour of commercials because I've got carpal (laughs) tunnel now from using this thing like there's literally so many things technology wise that James does that I may be screwed (laughs) if something happens to him I see what you're saying yes there's something very maybe infantilizing is the word yeah um where I don't know how to use any of this stuff if it weren't for he has to show me how to use all these remotes never remember which one does what thing Mm -hmm. and I just want one that will turn on and let me watch whatever and it's just like it's just so complicated yeah I know and then I feel stupid and then I feel like well I'm a strong confident woman I can do this shit and I can't do any of it you can only do analog shit with your confidence that's it (laughs) I mean we got that you gave me a tv with like five channels and like four of them were Keith Morrison and one of them was Lifetime I'd be fine I would just like you just have, when Curtis goes out of town, you just have to turn it on to Lifetime and just don't mess with the TV. And I'll be running yeah. Before you leave, Curtis, just turn it on to Lifetime yeah. and tell me where the mute button is because that's the most important button of all. Well, we just signed up again for that AMC Stubbs thing. I don't know if you know about it. AMC, you can no. do a subscription now to go to the movies. So with the Stubbs program, you get to see two free movies a week and then- oh. And then every movie after that is discounted and you get free popcorn upgrades. It's really a good deal if you go to the movies often, which we do. Yeah, y'all do. Yeah. And James installed it because I was resisting it for a while because I'm like, it's COVID. What's the point? But he installed the app on my phone for me. And then we got into the line and I wasn't aware that I had to have like some QR code up and like all this crap ready. And I didn't have it ready. And then I couldn't log into the account. And this young kid was looking at me like, oh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> old people. <laughs> Maybe I am too old. Well, oh. I don't know. I know I don't need to spin the wheel with you. So I'm just going to cut straight to it. What are you fearing today, Becky? Well, Marie, I am fearing that the satanic panic of the 1980s never really ended. That's what I'm fearing. And... You can see lines tracing from back in the day all the way up till the world we're living in now. We like to refer to the 80s satanic panic, but it never really ended. Well, and I just Mm -hmm. want to add an addendum to that, which is satanic panic has been around for a really long time, even before the 80s. I mean, yeah, well, when were the witch trials? 16, 18 or something? I mean, right. Yeah. And it's happened all over the world too, in different times in history. Yeah. But when we refer to it here in our vernacular now, we refer to the the resurgence of it and the, the dozens, if not hundreds of people who were jailed over accusations related to Satanism in the 80s. And it really didn't start to subside in terms of people being jailed until the early 90s. And for those of you who don't know, I'm going to just give you a couple of overarching things that are in our lives that were back in the day in the 90s and the 2000s that are related to satanic panic ouija boards daycare centers dungeons and dragons harry potter heavy metal music and back masking oh yes thank you heavy metal music 
rap music. The list goes on and on and on. And I've read a ton of articles leading up to this. And there's so many sources that there's too many for me to say. Otherwise, it's all I'd be doing is reciting. So I'm putting them on our website, fearthispodcast.com. But thousands of years accumulative of sentences were given to people who were accused of sexual abuse, horrific, unimaginable, I mean, unimaginable crimes in the 80s at daycare centers, at YMCAs. People were accused of molesting their own children. Members of the clergy who were not molesting children were accused of being Satanists and and abusing children in these graphic, disgusting, horrifying ways. There's several cases, and I'm going to just touch on some of them. And I'm going to touch on one that's probably the most famous that went on for three years, happened in your backyard in Manhattan Beach in the 80s. Mm -hmm. And it was the um, daycare center that became the epicenter of this whole thing the trial ended up taking place from 87 to 90 and it is still from what i understand the most expensive trial in the history of the state of california i remember that it started out with an accusation of child molestation and then over a period of time it evolved into satanic rituals and like literally every symbol of the daycare tied into satanism it was just like people lost their minds Yes. More and more, once the ball got rolling, more kids started saying they were molested too. So one of the parents of a child who who was at McMartin Preschool, she reported to police that her child had been molested in some way. One doctor at the hospital said, yes, it looks like your child has been molested in some way. So the reaction by the police was to send out a letter to all of the parents there. And it said, ask your children these very specific questions. And it was very suggestive towards, ask them if this happened. Ask them if that happened. This started in 1983. And the mother of one of these uh, two-year-olds at McMartin Preschool said the teacher there had sodomized her son. And after these letters were sent out, hundreds of children reportedly described being abused, often in fantastical situations. Yeah, it wasn't like it got raped by a flagpole. For some reason, I remember that. Oh, yeah. I'll give you some of these details that you're like, you won't believe that people actually believe this stuff, okay? Here's some of the details of some of these cases. They happen in Edenton, North Carolina. They happen in Austin, Texas. There's a whole list of places. Okay, so... um, rape, sodomy, intercourse in front of the children, forcing children to have intercourse with each other, conspiracy, photographing the abuse, urinating and defecating in front of the children. We got human sacrifice, child pornography, satanic rituals, including seeing witches fly in brooms, and children being flushed down toilets. What? Children being flushed down toilets. That's, that's not the, how I refer to the stuff I flush down the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> there goes a couple of my children. <laughs> the flushing, and there's a couple of different places where this happened, not just in California, where the kids come up with these fantastical, horrifying things about being flushed down toilets or babies being chopped up and the children being forced to swim in pools with chopped up babies, which to me says... Where are the chopped up babies? Where are the missing babies? Where, you know, you don't just have like these children who disappear off the face of the earth at a daycare and nobody notices, right? Which also comes all the way full circle starting in 2017 with the skewing shit where children are being drained of their blood and they're being kept as slaves in the basements of these buildings and in the, on these boats and stuff. It's not connected to reality. And yet the more fantastical it is, the more people are about to believe it, right? Hey, do you know how to make a dead baby float? Marie. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You've already heard this one. One scoop of <laughs> root beer and one scoop of dead baby. <laughs> you can cut that out if you want. <laughs> All right. You've been listening to Now Fear This with Becky and Marie. <laughs> Sorry. Thanks for listening. Marie just for the end of this episode. Well, no, I'm just making the point. Like, look, come on, dead babies chopped up. Like, I think it's probably hard on the pool or the septic system to have a bunch of dead baby chopped up in it. So, you know, you're not going to stop there. It was animal sacrifice. It was chopped up animal blood. They had to drink the blood. They just swim around in a bathtub with chopped up pet. 
one of them and i can't find it was i mean this stuff goes so crazy you sort of can't believe in a kid said it or an adult believed it they flew them to places to get molested they flew them in hot air balloons they went to cemeteries and dug up bones to do rituals with it went so fantastically off the rails and yet there were so many people who spent time in prison over this now the people connected to the mcmartin preschool the trial that went on so long some of them did spend time in jail, but eventually they were not convicted. Um, one of them, I think, was maybe convicted on one part of it, but was eventually, most of those things were completely exonerated, overturned, et cetera, in the Manhattan Beach case. But when it comes to Kern County, California, which I think that's, where is that? Do you know? Bakersfield? Which is that in the yeah, middle? Yeah, yeah. I think it's near there, Kern County. So Edenton, North Carolina. Scott County, Minnesota, Wenatchee, Washington are among the other places. In Travis County in Texas in Austin. There is a case that I'd never heard of. And the people there who were convicted spent 20 years, Marie, 20 years behind bars before they were exonerated. They sued somebody. Yeah, they got a few million, I think. Yeah. But here's what happened. And this is from The Guardian UK by Ashley Godot. August 91, a three-year-old girl told her mother that Dan Keller had spanked her at the preschool he ran with his wife in Austin. The girl then told the therapist Keller had sexually assaulted her using a pen and, quote, pooped and peed on my head. Subsequent months, two other children made similar claims, and the allegations became more and more lurid, involving ritual abuse, murder, dismemberment, and animal sacrifice. They were found guilty of aggravated assault of a child, even though, guess what, Marie, the three-year-old girl recanted her claims in court. There was only one speck of physical evidence from one doctor who examined the girl in the emergency room of the local hospital after that therapy session. He said he found tears in her hymen that potentially indicated she was molested. However, in recent years, that doctor signed an affidavit in which he affirms he realizes his inexperience led him to a conclusion that is not scientifically or medically valid, and he was mistaken. So that was the only thing that made this where the jury could hold on to something to convict, right? And it worked. So there were false witness confessions and the testimony of a quote-unquote satanic abuse expert. And by the way, the part I want to kind of interject here is if you didn't live through it or live in the immediate aftermath of the satanic panic of the 80s it was real people believed that there was a satan worshiping group of people teenagers living next door they were at your church they worked with you and there were all these training videos if you want to ever just have a giggle there's a training video for police of recognizing like when satanic cults are working in your town and it's funny now but people took it very very seriously there's a lot of reasons why these children did say the things they said, which I'll go into that in a minute. But if you are also, speaking of these cases, if you're unfamiliar with the West Memphis Three, I highly, highly encourage you to go watch the movie Paradise Lost. How familiar are you with that story? If I did see it, it was a long time ago and I don't remember. I, I'm a little bit familiar with that story. But before you mentioned yeah. the story, though, you mentioned that police officers, even the FBI, had this list of how to identify satanic yeah. cult activity. And it's really funny. I came across a couple of church websites that still have these lists. And really? Yeah. And everything on the list is like exactly what you would experience from a teenager, you know? Is your child like becoming despondent, sullen, <laughs> doesn't like uh, regular activities that they used to like, you know, is rebellious. So a, a lot of things that people associate with Satanism are, are things they don't want to deal with in their own life. It's the devil made me do it kind of thing. And the devil, I think, is very representative in American culture of whatever anxiety we're having at the moment. Ooh, yeah, yeah. All right, can we tell you some details about the West Memphis Three? Please. Okay, this is from fm104.ie in West Memphis, Arkansas. May 5th, 93, there are three children, Steve Branch, Chris Byers, and Michael Moore, were horrifically assaulted and murdered while they were out playing in West Memphis, Arkansas. 
Three teenage boys, Damian Eccles, Jason Baldwin, and Jesse Miskelly, were tried and subsequently convicted of the crime. They maintained their innocence, and they were eventually released on the very confusing Alford plea, which allows defendants to plead guilty while still asserting they are innocent so that they can get out of jail. Are you familiar with that at all? The Alford plea, yes. Yeah, it's very confusing. <laughs> well, it came up in that movie, The Stairway. The Staircase? The Staircase, yes. He had to plead Alford to just oh. end. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I mean, we could get into the games that prosecutors and people play. Alford is a very disturbing thing, but yeah. It's, yes. The Strange, idea that confusing, well, disturbing. the law these, doesn't want to let you go. They don't want to admit that they did right. anything wrong because they don't want you to sue them. Right. Essentially. Right. Right. So the boys who were convicted were convicted in part because of this same idea of satanic panic. And there are people around every corner just waiting to molest and kidnap and kill your kids in a satanic ritual. And so the teens were kids who you all knew in high school and you still know if any of you listening are in high school, what are you doing? But if you are, you know people like this and maybe you are somebody like this. You know, you're going to wear the dark clothes or you're going to listen to the music. You're going to quote unquote, look like a goth or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you're going to listen to this ACDC Judas Priest stuff back in the day. That's what it was. And that's what got them convicted. And that's the only thing that got them convicted. Um, and eventually people took up this cause and, and they were released. But it's very, very tragic. And not just because the killer of these three little boys is still out there never got convicted at least maybe he's dead i don't know there's a lot of speculation as to who really did it but other than that these kids were goth kids who you know were all the things a teenager is sullen and they were kind of outcasty and tried to just be all you know cool fuck the world kind of thing and that just landed them in prison and and the, the people who investigate this now or i mean the case is obviously still open because they don't know who did it and they're starting a new what they call victim-centric of course investigation because the rush to judgment eliminated any other suspects that they could possibly have gathered evidence with and i'm not going to suggest who i think or you know i just know that what didn't happen back in that day was that the parents and close relatives of these boys were not investigated the way they would have because the police just said Oh, look at these goth kids. They stalled, you know? Mm -hmm. And all they had to do was show all the satanic music they listened to. And and the jury was like, fucking hey, got to get these kids off the streets. We know that they did it. I mean, look at them, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, we've already established, I'm not going to pull you into this, but we've established that I'm somewhat judgmental. But I think I'm judgmental light. Like, I will draw my judgments, but I can still think somebody's a little off and be friends with them and have compassion mm -hmm. for them or whatever but man i think everybody if you're a little different it is just you're just arming your peers with ways to fuck with you you know yeah but i so. even experienced bullying by adults i had a, an elder at our church approach me one day and told me i needed to act and dress more ladylike at church and i had adults make comments to me about my appearance or my behavior, but not like I wasn't acting Christian, but like I wasn't conforming to right. certain standards. And so I think there, at that particular time in the eighties, and I've read a couple of articles, there was a lot of fear about women becoming more assertive, women getting jobs and uh, uh -huh. leaving the home. That. Okay. And daycare centers tied into that. Yes, exactly. 100%. That in part, now we're going to get to the part where we talk a little bit about how this happened and the cultural and rhetorical ways that this came about. And one of the things that many of the articles I, I read and analyses I read explain that when things like witch hunts and satanic panicky type things occur, there's a theme underneath it that is present with well, people start questioning authority, well, then we're going to hell in a handbasket. And then the daycare thing was, in part, because why aren't these kids getting raised by their moms? Why are they in daycare? Mom's working, and that is, in part, what we need to put an end to. And it just, it snowballed from there. 
there was an undercurrent of we got to return to our traditional quote unquote Christian values, right? You know, and all that shit, and the rise of the Christian right and yes. focus on the family, which I say fuck us on the family because I hate that organization. So go fuck yourselves. Um, I oh, James Dobson, uh, was he dead yet? Um, I think he's dead. There's so much damage that is done there with the pushing of your own beliefs onto other people that it can lead to things like this. Mm -hmm. Because there's nothing implicitly wrong with dressing like a goth and being a sullen teenager. It's kind of your job as a teenager. You're, you're just, you know, you're fucking doing your job. And right. then somebody comes along and it's like, you're going to prison for doing your job as a teenager. Right. Well, I'm saying like, even I could say at one point I cut my hair into like a mullet and like shaved the sides of my head and had spiky hair. I mean, based on how that offended so many people, I mean, I probably would have been the first suspect if somebody had been like murdered at our church. <laughs> Do you know what oh. I'm saying? It's like, well, there is Marie we should talk about. <laughs> have you, you know, you're right. You probably would have been the first person there. Have you seen to. her hair? And she's kind of boyish. <laughs> she okay. doesn't dress like a girl, you know. Then they'll show that picture of you like with the clowns and they'll be like, ah. Right, right. Guilty. Exactly. Well, um, I just want to throw this into the mix of things. I'm sure you've heard of it, the Michelle Remembers book that came out in the 1980s. Yes, that is a part of why this whole thing snowballed. Tell us about that. Yeah, so in the 1980s, this book came out about a murderous Canadian satanic cult. And it was basically, this girl was saying she was ritually sexually abused all these different years and there were a lot of lurid claims in the book and people went bananas about it and simultaneous to this and I actually have uh, family members and friends of the family who got put through this um, repressed memory thing yep. that is the next it was thing. A huge thing in psychology and it caused rifts in families because people would all of a sudden have remembrances that like everybody in the family molested them and it's like what are you talking about? And that fueled it as well. So I want to touch on the false memory thing and the questioning of these children, because <laughs> there's a lot of details as to how these kids ended up saying all these horrific things. And in part, it does have to do with the false memory syndrome, but it also has to do with who interviewed these children, how they interviewed these children, how it was all approached and how wrong it was. So there's a book by Richard Beck, a book called We Believe the Children in Moral Panic in the 80s. Because remember, you and I talked about this, like always believe, the, you know, there's that whole thing. If you got to believe the victim, you got to believe the woman, you got to believe the kid. But the problem is when the kids are saying things that are planted in their brains, you can't believe the kids, right? So there's this whole like weird dichotomy that doesn't help anybody. So I'm going to quote this particular interviewer. His name was Kim McFarlane, a social worker with Children's Institute International, an organization said to be dedicated to helping abuse children and trying to get the kids to talk about their abuses. So this Kim McFarlane person used controversial techniques that involved puppets, stuffed animals, and anatomically correct dolls. She told the kids she wanted them to share their, quote, yucky secrets. When one boy said he'd never seen this supposed child porn game called Naked Movie Star being played at the school, she used a puppet to respond to the boy, well, what good are you? And later she said, you must be dumb. When another kid denied ever being abused or seeing abuse, she said, you're just a scaredy cat. The police interviews also crafted to get the answers that law enforcement wanted with one detective saying to a child, did he take your underpants off? Can you say yes? You can say yes, say yes. So what do you think the kid did? She sounds like an abuser. And what is this naked movie star game? Tell me. I just played it the other day. Have you not? <laughs> do, do you have the box set? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you don't play it with kids. <laughs> That's Everybody knows that. <laughs> Next time um, we get together, can we play naked movie star, please? Yes, I mean, I was listening to one of our shows, the ASMR one, because it makes me laugh. It's role-playing a whispering Teletubby. I was listening to it because I want to, I mean, you said something about when we go and record a bunch of shows together, we're going to have, we're going to take a bubble bath. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know where that came from. Now we're going to do naked movies. This is going to be a whole thing. Okay. 
So here's another, so when people do this type of questioning, it is not necessarily on purpose where they want to implant memories. It's because they really believe it and they're trying to get you to understand that it's okay to say it. So you can't attribute it to something necessarily nefarious. They just did it exactly wrong, right? So here's what they call a suggestive procedure for false memories. So the interviewer says, can you remember naked pictures? Child says, no. Can't remember that part, huh? Child shakes head, no. Interviewer says, well, why don't you think about that for a while? Your memory might come back to you. So when the children were given the satisfying answer, they were positively reinforced with the person stating, well done, I knew you could do it. And I knew you were smart enough to remember. And so one of the things that the parents also did, because they were really trying to get the kid to tell the truth. And I remember seeing this on like a 2020 uh, or one of those type shows on the M M McMartin preschool thing is one of the parents or children. She said, and I told my daughter, you better tell me the truth about what they did to you. So help me God, or you're in deep trouble. Like, what do you think the child is going to do? There's one boy who ended up turning on his own mom. He was interviewed 76 times and he finally just said, okay, right, fine. He said, they just beat me down. I just couldn't say no anymore. Yeah, I think children are very, very susceptible to adults in many ways. And um, you have to look at people's cognitive ability because sometimes this happens a lot with people who get accused of crimes that are also slow adults that have certain certain issues in that area and it's similar to a child in a way i mean whether brendan dassey was involved in the brendan dassey didn't do shit right i'm more likely to have killed that girl than brendan dassey but but he i mean he had cognitive issues and and he was Candy just was a child yes both. And, and broken down yeah like people who have vulnerabilities like that are more susceptible, but it's also, it can happen to anybody. Your memories can be replaced. It's just a matter of the right technique that you will start remembering things that didn't happen. Well, on the issue of implanted memories, I've seen a couple of true crime shows where the police have pointed out to a rape victim, this is the guy. And they go through the whole court process and this woman is staring at this guy in, in trial and she's seeing pictures of him. And it turns out it's not the guy, but in her mind, it's been implanted that this mm -hmm. is the rapist. One of the things that they're doing in recent years with eyewitnesses and victims of abuse like that, or sexual abuse or rape, is they show you the pictures very, very quickly instead of letting you study it. Because the longer you study pictures, the more you will replace the real picture with whatever's in front of you. So if they show you a flash like this, you can, you will recognize that person that fast if it's the right person, you know? Yeah. Um, but one of the false memory stories that I remember, and I tried to find this case, I can't find the exact study, but you can watch the videos of it, is there's a woman who is a psychologist and she was trying to prove that false memories could be implanted. And so she, she was doing it with abuse cases with kids because they played it on like 2020 and stuff. And so you're looking through a glass thing at and listening to her talk to this child. And she's like, so did something happen? Did anything happen? Did somebody abuse you? And the kid's like, no. And the kid's playing with toys. Kid's like, no. Are you sure that they didn't do this, this, and this? Uh, and eventually she convinces the kid that whoever it is actually did abuse them. And then she says, well, and you're thinking, oh my God, this person's, this kid's father is an abuser. And she said, well, what about me? They never met the, this woman before. And the kid goes, I don't know. She goes, well, have I ever touched you in any of these places? You, you think I have? I mean, she, and the kid starts telling her, yes, you did it. You abused me. Now, not to say that you shouldn't believe children, but you got to take a look at how the questions are asked and how the answers come about. Because this woman never met the child. And by the end of that thing, the child said she abused him. How do you explain that if you don't think false memories can be implanted? You know? Right. It, it kind of ties into our consent episode and some other things that we've talked about. In the case of victims and people who are accused, it's very difficult, but we all need to hold judgment on both. It doesn't help with people like Nancy Grace. And, and I'm calling her out because I do think she's particularly egregious sometimes in how she mm -hmm. prejudges people. Like it's not helpful to someone's case to have 24 hour coverage where you've got people screaming about the person being guilty and where you have people screaming on Fox News about the false accusations or, or other you know, radio shows and stuff. Like 
maybe the woman or the child is lying. Maybe the person who is accused is innocent. We have the ability to judge things based on evidence. And that's what we need to do a lot more of. I agree. I don't think that what Nancy Grace does is responsible. Besides the fact that she screams in that accent that makes me want to jump off a bridge. She never heard of anybody accused of something that they didn't actually commit. <laughs> right. There's never once been her going, you know, maybe we should take a look at this in a measured, calm way. Well, no, never, ever. If you take, uh, I'm going to say it wrong. Is it staircase or stairway? Staircase. Staircase. So this might be one case where you and I can satisfy Justin's wanting us to disagree. I'm not sure. Ooh. But basically every time now, because my office is in the loft above our living room, every time I've been like drinking a little bit, I'm like, okay, take the staircase really carefully, you know, because I'm like, it would be a bad mess if I fell down the staircase and I don't want James to go to jail. <laughs> Why would I disagree with that? You're not. I'm just saying oh. like, you're not the guy. Well, let's put it this way. In a lot of these cases where people are not fully sure if the person is guilty or innocent, their guilt or innocence matters less to me than whether or not their rights were violated. And, and it relates to these satanic panic cases as well. At a certain point, it gets past whether or not the children were molested. <laughs> and it gets into this territory of violating rights. And there's this, um, there's this great website called Cult Watch. And there's an FBI agent that goes through the history of satanic panic and basically breaks it down as to how it came about. And he starts in the 1950s and our culture was starting to change, right? And then the 60s came around and you had all these cult groups and the idea of Satanism was introduced as a counterculture element. So I don't think there are really actual, there's maybe a handful of kooks that belong to the satanic church. No offense if you're a Satanist. We still welcome you to listen to this show. Sure. But there's not... There's not a lot of people practicing Satanism. Satanism was a counterculture thing. And I think teenagers do it. Back in the 60s, people that were following Anton LaVey. Like you'd see a lot of celebrities like the Rolling Stones and Jaja Gabor and different people going to these satanic events. And it was a way to be like anti-Christianity and to be outrageous. Right. And even someone like Richard Ramirez, who said he was a Satanist, he wasn't a Satanist. He didn't well, like he wasn't. go to the Satanic temple or read the Satanic Bible. He just was trying to find the most outrageous thing. And we've established throughout our show that Satanism and killing children, those are the two things that like send everybody into a tailspin, like yes. rumors of sacrificing children and drinking their blood. So if, as a teenager, if you want to be outrageous, you listen to these bands that are talking about burning people at the stake and drinking blood and all that. And it's a way to just totally tee off your parents and creep everybody out. There you go. And so one of the things that happens is the people who are inventing these stories come up with more and more horrifically outrageous things, which when we talked about QAnon back in January, who even imagine these things, much less try and say they're real, much less convince somebody, much less believe it. Because these things that they say, like, oh, there's a pizza parlor in DC where kids are getting sacrificed. Well, okay, no, no, no. Like, why would you even believe that for one second? All right, ladies and gentlemen, I wanted to make sure that we talk to you about our fabulous sponsor, urbanalco.com. You know what I like about it? The, the merchandise is so unique and so cute and not like the run of the mill stuff that you, you're not going to be able to find the stuff at the store. You no, know? what we're talking about y'all is mugs and home decor and entrance mats for your house. And there's a section on true crime, like merchandise that say things like probably watching true crime or crime shows have taught me unexpected visitors are sketchy. I love that one. There's a mug with a blood splatter that says, I just want to take naps and watch true crime documentaries. That's for me. That is absolutely for me. Yeah, that was so cute. 
Okay. Go to urbanalco.com and use our code now if you're this for 20% off. And you get free shipping. Cool. All right. Back to the show. I just found this list of things that the kids in um, the McMartin preschool. So here's some of the things that they did. You know, if you say McMartin one more time, Satan is going to come forth. I know it. He's probably right behind my shoulder. (laughs) So one of the people who was accused of these crimes flew in the classroom, flew up in the air, took one child to meet a, quote, goat man. Took another child to his house where lions roamed free. How about that? That'd be fun. Mm-hmm. Animal sacrifices involving horses, rabbits, and other classroom pets. Awesome. There's a series of tunnels under the school that were connected to secret chambers for sex rituals and other abuse. Did anyone find those tunnels? Of course they dug up stuff and there were no tunnels. But yes, they dug it up. Oh my god! police investigated this stuff. Well, teachers and teachers I was just going to say, can't you just say... This was like the devil conjured all this stuff, and that's why we can't find any of it. Yeah. Teachers and students visited a cemetery to dig up bodies. Teachers took children to orgies at an airport and Marie had a car wash. You know, those those children who are always at orgies and car washes. I mean, I've just planned our weekend. It's going to be naked movie star, some Chardonnay, a little sexy car wash orgy. <laughs> And then hopefully by the end of the evening, we'll have witches flying around and... Satan will appear. Yes. So children were flushed down toilets into sewer rooms for abuse. Now, let me just put you in the in the position of a cop or an investigator or any sort of a therapist listening to these children. If you are sitting there as a therapist, there's a child telling you, oh yeah, we got flushed down toilets and we were abused in sewers. What part of you doesn't just... Pick up your notebook, grab your phone, close the notepad and go, you know what? <laughs> I'm done here. I'm clicking yeah. my pen. This is asinine. What are we doing here? This child is flushed down a toilet. If somebody tells you they were flushed down a toilet, maybe you don't believe anything else they say. So this is probably my favorite too, okay? Children were transported to off-site abuse locations via hot air balloon, which wouldn't that be fun? Mm-hmm. And then we bring in one kid who identified Chuck Norris from a photograph claiming he had been present at the school for some of the abuse. Chuck Norris? Yes. And they still took this stuff to trial for three years. You know, while they're on the hot air balloon, do you think they played any other like naked games to pass the time? Like, I don't know, naked Mad Libs or... Well, you need to add that to your weekend plans. You got to get a hot air balloon. Hot air I mean, balloon and naked Mad Libs. Yeah, so sunrise, hot air balloon ride. Yeah. You need to go to the car wash, maybe even the airport, have some orgies yeah. there. You know, you could play like, what's it? Do you ever play that game on a trip where I say a location and then you have to name a location that starts with like the last letter of that location? I yeah, think. those kind of games. Yeah, yeah. You would do the movie star movie tennis thing. Yeah. But I just feel like we should add naked to all those games. <laughs> we won't actually be naked. We'll just call it like naked, whatever. <laughs> oh, naked beer pong. <laughs> Please don't play naked beer pong. I don't. That's all right. So you might think, oh, well, that was back in the day. People are smarter now. Uh, not so fast. Uh Oh, not so fast. Still. All right. I mean, so, QAnon is very close to this satanic. Yes. They are saying it's a Satan-worshipping cabal. Yes, isn't it? yes okay. it abuses children. Exactly. I'm going to read this word for word because Asia Romano, I've quoted her before. She writes on Vox. She's great. And so she does this whole deep dive into how QAnon is traced all the way back to this stuff. Many of these conspiracies and murmurs of child sex rings are still with us. The 2016 clown hoax created on long-standing myths about child predators lurking among us. Halloween time, we're going to have to talk about that because okay. one of the things I find so interesting. We're going to do like on the month of October, that'll be one of our topics. Because I was still teaching at that time and some of my kids were like, oh, I know somebody who saw the clown. Yeah. So many right-wing conspiracy theories that have ballooned into serious threats over the past five years contain overt elements of the same satanic panic, like the Pizzagate thing, where a guy brought a gun to a pizza parlor saying that Democrats were secretly trafficking children in the basement of that restaurant, which, by the way, that restaurant doesn't even have a basement. 
So this is one of the ones I find so strange. Okay, a right-wing conspirator interpreted a dinner party held by performance artist Marina Abramovich as a satanic ritual. Are you familiar with this at all? No. Okay. Details of the dinner party first emerged through the leaked emails of John Podesta, former campaign chair to Hillary Clinton. The theory is, of course, absurd, but she's faced allegations that she is a practicing Satanist ever since. In 2020, outraged conspiracy theorists disrupted and shut down a collaboration she worked on with Microsoft. And it is so ridiculous. It was like, we're going to come and cook a spiritual dinner and for some of these top donors and we all learn how to cook my mom's recipes or something. But remember in those emails, people saw code, right? So if it was, we're going to go have lasagna tonight, that right. means I'm going to go peel the skin off a chart. Right. can't even say that out loud. It's so ridiculous. Everyone knows that. means that's what it means. Pull the skin that's off of children. Yes. I don't know what pizza sauce means. What do you think that means? Drink the blood of children? Possibly. What is our chicken marsala? I mean, what is, what is that? <laughs> yeah, I know. There's this one Italian dish that James and I like called shrimp diablo. I don't even want to tell oh, you no. what that means. Yeah. It's already right there in the name. Yeah. All right. Oh, no. So, but here's one of the things I wanted to point out that I think is really interesting. So in 2001, journalist Debbie Nathan wrote a piece called Satan's Silence. She said the ultimate irony of satanic panic is that the victims, reportedly the children, were silenced during the laborious investigations, but not by the defendants who stood accused. They were instead silenced by the prosecutors, therapists, and interviewers who refused to listen to the children's initial assertions and drilled them for juicier answers until they finally changed their statements. When medical evidence was produced, it was dubious. It was a technologically updated version of the medieval preoccupation with scrutinizing female genitalia for signs of sins and witchcraft, and of the 19th century forensic medical campaigns to detect promiscuity and homosexuality by examining the shapes of lips and penises. What do you think about that, Marie? Have you recently examined someone's penis for evidence of satanic worship? Every night. <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of a ritual in our uh, household. <laughs> no wonder Walter's always wanting to murder you. Like, get away from him. <laughs> All right, time for the penis check. <laughs> Make sure we're uh, free of Satan and demons. Um, are these mouth lips we're talking about? She didn't specify and I don't want to ask. <laughs> I don't know. I do have, I think you have it too. My mom was really obsessed with the shape of my lips. She didn't molest me or anything, but um, she would read all of these ladies magazine. And I guess the Cupid's bow shape lip is like the best one. And you said, I have that. I think you do. Okay. It's not as pronounced as mine. Hey. Got it. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, Marie. You know, it's like, it's like a lip more. You take this and turn it sideways. It looks like a, like a, you know, Cupid's bow. Anyway, yeah. is that what they're talking about? Like thin-lipped people are like, okay, there's no satanic influence there, but. I don't know. I don't trust it though. And then would collagen in your lips be like the introduction of Satan? Yes, it is. But for completely different reasons. Have you ever done that? You haven't. No. Okay, good. <laughs> so. Like, I just know that if I ever tried that, I would come home looking like Goldie Hawn in First Wives Club or Barbara Hershey in Beaches. Remember? When well, you have really full lips, so there's no point. But the women that I've seen that do it, it, it looks like they're injured. Like yeah. the lips actually look injured. Wow. I don't know. I just, I just went off. Sorry. Yeah. Why did we get to collagen? Oh, we were talking about like how you inspect someone's lips to find out if they're the influence of Satan, but we weren't sure which, if it was private part lips or. <laughs> I don't know. Are we examining all the lips <laughs> or just the. I whisper and will she go to sleep and stop saying lips? You kind of went into <laughs> ASMR mode there for a minute. Stop saying lips. I do have this talent, like, like Becky is definitely somebody that is not shocked or offended by anything, but I do have this talent sometimes to like gross her out or like stun her yes. in silence. You yeah. do. And Ronnie does. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Y'all can just like, you think farts are funny and Ronnie's still to this day is like, that's because farts are funny. Like, they, they are, are funny. funny. They are funny. <laughs> farts are not 
funny. You're not a 14-year-old boy. Farts are not funny. They're funny. Come on. They're funny. But we can we can do an episode on your fear of farts. Oh, that sounds really entertaining. (laughs) (laughs) Tune in next week for Becky's fear of flatulence. (laughs) I don't know about that. Okay, so back to the satanic panic of the 80s. Yes, okay. A side note, I want you to think about how teenagers are being affected during this time period. I went to more than one weekend seminar with my church on Satanism and rock music. We all loved it because none of us were allowed to listen to any of these bands and we liked them. So you would basically go to this conference and they'd play this rock music to you. And then they would break it down like they were diagramming a sentence as to where all the satanic messages were and the back masking. And I mean, when we would go home, me and my friends would get our records and try to scratch them backwards to see if we could hear anything. And we'd get Ouija boards and we were starting to believe it. And we were freaking ourselves out. You know, I remember one night with some girlfriends, we had a Ouija board and the dial was moving by itself. There are some explanations for it. I mean, I don't actually believe it was moving by itself. I think. Yeah, there's a word for it. There's a word for it. Yeah. But it was, it appeared to be moving by itself. And so we were asking questions about boys that we liked and stuff like that. And then I asked, by what power is this dial moving? And it spelled out Satan. (laughs) And I mean, my friend Carrie just shoved the Ouija board off the table. We were all freaking out. We ran out of the room. We blew out the candle. We didn't want to sleep in the room. We were totally freaked out. And after that, I was like, I am never doing Ouija board again, you know. But then The Exorcist, which was, when did that come out? 73. One of the things that is attributed to The Exorcist is the idea that Ouija boards are satanic. Mm. The history of the Ouija board goes back to the 1800s and it was just a toy and the spiritualist movement was people just trying to talk to the dead and all these things. But then we're talking about 73. And people looking around for every explanation for the world falling apart, you know, like everybody wanted to attribute all the terrible things and kids misbehaving and don't respect authority to it must be Satan or something like that. People wanted to turn everything into something that was satanic or something that could potentially invite Satan into your life. So I just had a long conversation with Curtis about this earlier because I said, what do you remember about the satanic panic? And he explained a few things he remembers and then like the stuff about music, like Judas Priest and and stuff like that but it was also Dungeons and Dragons and and I'm trying to drill down on what is it about Dungeons and Dragons the Ouija Ouija board's different on that one you're at least inviting a spirit in right but if you're just playing Dungeons and Dragons or you're reading Harry Potter how on earth is that something that is inviting Satan into your life it doesn't make sense to me so I I think I had told you about this in a previous episode I don't know if we aired it or not but when when Netflix first started being a thing I would just search the database for the most bizarre movies I could find and I found one that was done by a church psychologist about the dangers of yoga and it talks about how like all the ritual practices of yoga like the om was actually an invitation to a satanic demon to come into your body and that the whole idea of clearing that's the name of our episode (laughs) <laughs> the home is an invitation <laughs> to a satanic demon thank you yeah. there all you right, go. Go. <laughs> um, so like all these people when they're saying blank your mind and empty yourself you're like emptying yourself to introduce satan and so all this stems even further back to the counterculture movements in the 60s and the 70s a ton of them were anti-Christian. So you had the Church of Satan, you had the Temple of Set, you had an organization called the Process Church, you had Scientology. That's when all these organizations started coming out and they were all anti-family values, if you will. They were all um, counter the values of American culture. And so to just get into people's faces, they added this element of Satanism. And then that carried on in rock music. Um, at that particular time, you had 
like the Faces of Death movies. I don't know if you remember those. Oh, I've never seen them, but I know I remember people watched them. You had I have a- left more than one party when people put that on because I couldn't imagine people yeah. watching that on purpose. And then you had um, the punk rock movement, which was like openly uh, racist, occultist. They got into like KKK stuff, but everything, there was this subculture in America in the 80s of extreme, anything extreme that you could come up with that would just get into people's faces, get into Christians' faces. And so people were provoking it for sure. But it was outrageous. It would be hard to believe that somebody would actually be doing those things. But then, you know how you were saying, why would somebody come up with all this stuff too? So mm-hmm. as human beings, we have um, this duality about us, whether we want to admit it or not. Carl Jung talks about it. We have a side that in every situation that you look at, Carl Jung gives the example of like, kid picks up a bird that's been injured. And he looks at it and his initial response is, I should try to save this bird. But simultaneously, he has the response of, I could crush this bird with my hand. And whether we realize it or not, we're all faced with this, these life decisions. And I think a lot of these Christian people are a little titillated by all this stuff. And they can get into this, well, what if they raped him with a flagpole? Or what if they flushed him down the toilet? You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. it starts to become almost like fan fiction or like you just get into being a crusader against. Yes, I completely agree. And add to that, that one of the things that people on the anti-marriage equality side will say is, well, then what am I going to do? Marry a goat? And they come up with all these fantastical scenarios that no one ever thought about, except for you, you pervert. You thought of marrying a goat or marrying your cat. Or even the bathroom bill stuff, right? Those perverts who say, well, if I could have declared that I was a girl back in high school, I would have gone around in the locker room looking at girls naked. That says more about you, you fucking pervert. They're the ones who are getting off on it. Nobody on the side of marriage equality or LGBTQ plus rights would say, oh yeah, this is all about people getting to choose things that they get to walk in and be perverted about. So you're not a pervert just because you are LGBTQ plus, et cetera, et cetera. And you certainly can have marriage equality without it being something perverted. But they take it to that ugly place, like fan fiction-y weird shit, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think some of the QAnon people are are now looking for it. They're looking for the next horrific thing. And I think we can all fall into this. And I think I'd related this to you earlier in the week when we were talking about the topic, that... In junior high, eighth grade, we had this final paper that was really, really important. It it determined really whether you passed and and it was a a highly documented, it was the first time you, you know, you did note cards. I don't think people do that anymore, but you did note cards and you had to cite your sources and we had to pick a topic and it was in conjunction with like all the different departments in school and the, the teachers would like vote on whether or not you could do the topic. And I was the first year where they made people after that, you had to give two topics because in case your first topic got rejected. So I wanted Satanism to be my topic. Mind you, I did go to Christian school. So that probably uh, aggravated the situation. But I mean, think about it. I was in junior high. So of course I want to do Satanism, right? I mean, that was like, the thing well let me just correct you a little you didn't not you want to do satanism well you wanted to write a fucking paper about satanism yes what are they so scared of why can't you write a paper about it my teacher at the time said know thine enemies or whatever it's a slippery slope to start investigating satanism but you know you're against it but you don't know anything about it teach right <laughs> you can't investigate it otherwise you'll become it yeah so then my second topic was the Ku Klux Klan, which they allowed me to do. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> You've lost your shit. <laughs> Becky is now, this is the segment where Becky loses her shit for a few moments. And just if you need to get a snack, <laughs> if you got to pee, this may take a minute. She is like fucking purple. <laughs> So any little 
little tasks you need to do. She cannot <laughs> speak. She will not <laughs> possibly investigate Satanism because you might become that thing. Right. Neo Nazi white supremacy shit. Welcome into our church. <laughs> Bring it on. Bring it on. Are you serious? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Can I read that paper? Please tell me you have it somewhere. If I have it, I don't know I if I have it. I put it on our website so fast. Okay. If I find it, I'll Oh Lord. I'll also dig up my fifth grade paper where we had to choose our favorite president and mine was Nixon. <laughs> oh Marie. <laughs> Oh, um, okay. I'm sure that was parentally influenced, but no, I, I will say it, there was a funny side note because we had to type the paper. And so I waited until the last minute. I had everything handwritten and then my mom was having to type the paper. And I just remember my sweet church lady mom typing my paper on the Klux Klan. And of course me, I put like every horrible thing that I've read mm. in this paper. And, you know, my mom's just like, She's like, what does that say? <laughs> She's like, is it, is this necessary? Does this, what? <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> all right. So in wrapping it up, I think this all really does boil down to the devil made me do it. And one of the tenants that gets taught a lot in church was this idea of satan infiltrating you in some way and so it's not a big leap to take that literally and and think that well i'm not capable of doing this if it weren't for the influence of satan so i think satan is a scapegoat for people just taking responsibility for things that are happening in their community that are going on Mm-hmm. for accepting changes in society let's just blame it all on satan just like dana carvey said back in the day satan perhaps satan. yeah yeah the church lady yeah so i mean that's that's right smack in the middle of that stuff you know church yeah. lady and satan yeah so like i don't think we should ever use the influence of satan or twinkies or heavy metal or dungeons and dragons none of that is the reason that someone murders or rapes somebody (laughs) no (laughs) the reason why murder or rape happens is because the person either has some sort of mental problem or they have depraved indifference to human life there are logical (laughs) explanations for going down that road hey anybody want to start blaming crime and murder on satan i'll tell you there's a hell of a lot more hell of a lot (laughs) Well, hell of a lot more murders have been committed in the name of Christ than have been committed yeah. in the name of Satan. So neither one of those things is attributable to the actual thing. Yeah, like Satan. Satan does not have a huge following of murderers. No. I mean, he just told me that last night. <laughs> Satan is like, how are we going to recruit more people? <laughs> yeah. Come on. If y'all keep killing in my name, nobody's going to join my party. <laughs> yeah i'm saying like the actual satanists are just some nerds that sit around and talk about like existential stuff like ayn rand stuff yeah That's, they they put a lot of that individualism and all that yeah just go I live went... your little selfish life call yourself a satanist it's fine just don't kill people That's not... yeah kids don't take them in hot air balloons don't take them to graveyards to dig up bones don't flush them down the toilet difficult i don't know swirlies swirlies are kind of like a rite of passage but i mean don't flush them all the way down the toilet just traumatize them a little bit with just a little it's like waterboarding in the toilet a little bit bit. yeah all right you ready to wrap this up yeah okay all right thanks for listening to this latest kick-ass hilarious and soon-to-be-famous episode of now fear this with becky and marie <laughs> Our website is fearthispodcast.com. Please go there and subscribe for life-changing content. That's yes. all I got. Yeah, I think the content has potential to change your life. Yeah. If you let it. If you let it, let it if in. If you um like you are inviting Satan, you can certainly invite our yeah. content yeah. to change your life. Well, that's the thing is like all this stuff that they do in yoga is in another language and like everything we're doing right here is in English. Most of it. <laughs> unless you play it backwards <laughs> yeah so just close your eyes the next time you're listening to the podcast 
open yourself up and we'll come right inside. We'll come right inside. Right in there. Yeah. And fart. <laughs> Marie will. All right. See you later. Bye. <laughs>